are back. We're back. The Hurley edition is back. Taking a week off. Felt like three weeks. Felt like a thousand weeks. I feel like the podcast died for a minute, but it's back. It's back from the dead. Welcome to the Hurley edition, episode seven. We are closing on on eight. And after that, we will be closing in on 10. So that's how the numbers work when you count 1 through 10. I am Michael Hurley. I'm hosting this here podcast, the Hurley edition. And this week, I'm welcoming in an internet celebrity, Pete Blackburn. He's got, geez, I don't know how many Twitter followers. Many Twitter followers. He's gotten jobs out of Twitter. He's used Twitter basically to become uh, an internet celebrity. I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's not, you know... uh, uh, superstar level. I don't think he's crossed into the mainstream. hasn't crossed into the television or movie market yet, but he's a pretty big deal on the internet. And similar to when I had uh, J- Jared Karabas in early in the podcast, he's sort of part of the new wave of of content creators on the internet. And, you know, given that he was part of the layoffs at Fox Sports a few weeks ago where they got rid of everyone that writes and now they're just a video-only website, which I find to be a very perplexing move. Uh, so we, we talked about that. We talked about the process of getting laid off, how that happened, how he was blindsided, but not really, and, and, and what it means for the future and everything like that. So Pete's an interesting guy. I wanted to talk to him. He was gracious enough to come in. And, you know, when you preview an interview like this, it's just almost like stop previewing the interview. Just just run the interview. So, good point by you. Here you go, Pete Blackburn. Joining me now in the studio here, internet celebrity, bad boy of podcasting, a gift boy, and a free agent, Pete Blackburn. Hey, that about covers all the bases. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for finding time. Absolutely. I have plenty of time. That's all I have right now. <laughs> so, we'll get into that in a second, but... so. Incidentally, I didn't plan this. I don't really plan ahead. Uh, it's a pretty common theme throughout the podcast. But I had Jared Carabas on as one of my first guests. And you do a podcast with Jared. So you're pretty familiar with him. The first question I asked to him is the same question I want to ask to you. Who the hell are you? That's a good question. Uh, follow up, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Both good questions. Uh, I basically... I, I'm. I, I feel like you said it when you brought me in, next generation of sports media. I think that's kind of what I am hoping to be. I I'm I do like a little bit of writing, a little bit of uh podcasting, a little bit of multimedia, uh gifts. Try to cover uh cover all the bases and uh make myself useful online. Yeah. It's a weird it's a weird time, but I feel like I wanted to talk to you because you are sort of I mean, how old are you? Twenty six. So you're not much younger than me, but I feel much older than you because it's like the whole, the technology angle, the whole, it seems like you're coming in to sort of swoop in and, and take over the internet. You, coming you, coming you, for your job. You and your brethren, exactly. Yeah. I'm actually in the studio just uh, to interview for your job later. Yeah, that's, that's what I figured. So double, two birds with one stone, but we might as well get it out of the way, the situation where you were employed at Fox and then all of a sudden Fox doesn't employ anybody anymore. Uh, I imagine that was a blindside for you, or did you see that one coming? Uh, well, I saw it coming in the sense that a couple months before the actual layoffs happened, they let us know, like, hey, this could be happening. Okay. So I, I, I was able to brace for it for a couple of months, which I think really helped in the sense that when the actual news came down, I felt like I handled it pretty well publicly. But I had, like, a internal meltdown for about two months prior to that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't, like, a total blindside, but... I didn't think that it would be as drastic as it ended up being. They laid Which was off every single writer, they right? Laid off the entire editorial staff. So, 
uh, we were kept in the dark for for a long time. Um, like my boss, uh, who ended up actually getting laid off too, he was talking to me and he was basically saying like, we don't really know what the hell's going to happen. Like my job could be in jeopardy. And I thought that he was just saying that to have make me feel better because I was one of the few people that was on a non-guaranteed contract. So when the word started coming down, I was like, I'm probably screwed. Were you like month to month, basically? Like it could end or extend at any time? There was no... So I was on a two-year deal um, on salary, but it was uh, it was one of those contracts that can be terminated by either side at any time. Oh, so... That's a great contract for them. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm great at negotiating my deals. Um, but so like when, when the word started to come down that they were looking to cut the editorial and move more into video, I figured that... I was probably expendable because they wouldn't have to give me a severance package and they could just drop my contract at any time. So right. I thought my boss was just being nice. And uh, it ends up being that they literally fired the entire editorial staff, which is crazy. It's just weird because, I mean, you're a content creator. I'm a content creator, but we're also Internet users. I don't watch videos on the Internet. And I find if if so, I'll take Fox, for example, if Skip Bayless says something insane. I could share the video and maybe a couple dozen people will watch it, or I could transcribe it, put it in words, put it on the internet, and 25,000 people will come because reading is so much more convenient than taking time to watch a video. Is that, I mean, that's strange. That's a strange business choice. It really, really is, especially when, uh, like, the, the TV side of things, at least, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't totally involved in that side of things i was completely digital but it seems like the tv side is a l- struggling a little bit yeah uh, they i mean they had skip bayless and shannon and and coward and and all them um like whitlock yeah oh yeah can't forget him um so uh, to to eliminate the entire digital editorial staff um which by the way was a really really good team of people uh like a lot of talented people over there it was a good and site it was a good site and we put out good work and it was profitable and that's that's something that like a not a lot of uh, digital publications can say. Right. And it was profitable without being overbearing with the pop ups and the video ads. And the, right. as far as I know, I mean, I use Adblock Plus, but as far as I was concerned, it was it, a it was a pretty this, accessible site. Yeah. And there wasn't like auto playing videos or anything like that. Um, and we and you'd think that like a company like Fox would be one of the few companies that could afford to invest money in both the writing and video side. Especially when it's not losing money. Right, it wasn't exactly. like a draining resource. Right. So it was all just bizarre to me. And then on top of that, a week later, the guy who orchestrated all the layoffs gets fired for uh, um, sexual harassment in the workplace. So. And was that, do you, I mean, as far as you know, was that surprising? I mean, I, I, don't, I, was, I don't imagine, yeah, I, I can't shocked. imagine he would have. He, he did not sexually harass me. <laughs> that's that's good. Me. Um, no, I don't mean that part. I mean, uh, I imagine if he knew that was coming, he probably wouldn't have laid everyone off first because that's probably a longer term plan than like <laughs> I'm leaving next week. I'm taking everyone with me. Yeah. So I, I, that, to my knowledge, was a complete shock. And I, I read that the investigation took less than a week. Oh, oh it was probably like emails or something. Yeah. It was very, very clearly right there. Oh. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was that was shocking for pretty much everybody, especially I'm assuming Fox. I think that you wouldn't want uh, to let that guy fire everybody. And then a week later, be like, oh, yeah, mm, yeah. you got to go too." that's like uh, I think it was an NFL team that just went through the draft and then fired the GM. So the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs did that. So good not move. really not really <laughs> good long term plan. Even Larry Bird with the Pacers, I think, was involved through 
was it the I don't know what I mean whatever I mean that's just that's not how you plan things right. so you and that I said it was a good website because I find I I, the, I was looking for like a national website to visit and like it, for decade at least a decade it was ESPN.com you'd go there and that's where sort of the hub of the sports world was and now that website is sort of all over the it's place. It's all over the place. It's, it's so hard to navigate. It's self-promoting. You know, it's it's not, you know, there's not like an editor deciding what's best and what needs to be seen. Um, I mean, I go to CBS Sports, but it's still it's nice self-plug. It, yeah, and the the whole like era of like three or four national websites dominating the national sports conversation is sort of over. I feel like for the most part there are very few sites that people actively go to and seek out like on a daily basis. Like I'm going to go to this site and read what they have. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, people, people get what they get, what's in front of them. Like Twitter makes that possible where if you're just scrolling down and news pops up, you're going to click on the first link that you see with the, with the, with a news story like that. I think like Barstool is one of the only sites that people go to for like on a daily basis where like I need to see, I might go weeks without going there anymore, yeah. just because it's like it's on Twitter. You know, if if it's not happening on Twitter, it's probably it's not very. Happening. I feel like it's very personality driven in terms of like people seeking out yeah. content. So yeah. uh, I mean, like I felt like we had uh, strong personalities on the digital side, so I felt good about that. Uh, our team was awesome, so it's it was a huge bummer, but here we are. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to start in a bummer, but it, it's this, uh, on the same note, but somewhat different is you were more hockey than anything else you wrote all over the board but you are primarily a hockey guy and those layoffs came just after the ESPN layoffs with Burnside uh, McDonald and LeBrun all got laid off what is your perspective on basically it's a long way of asking I mean hockey has very passionate fans very eager fans fans that if you write about hockey they will read it and consume it and fight about it and argue it Yet, based on that move, especially, it seems like it's not in market that a lot of national sites want to invest in. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when you go across the board, I mean, what I've learned in the couple places that I work with, I mean, hockey hockey has its devoted audience and stuff, but it doesn't have as wide of a draw, like, readership-wise, as the other sports. Right. Um, like, the biggest hockey story won't even... To come close to the stratosphere of like a like an average everyday NBA story. People click way more yeah. on that stuff. So I think that's true, but also like if you write ten hockey stories, they'll all probably do consistently well. Yeah, yeah. But they'll never have the ceiling of an NFL story. Right. But pretty, if you do, if you bang them out every day, they will have a. You know exactly what it will be. It's like none of them fail on the internet. So when I went to Fox, I wasn't supposed to be like a primary NHL guy. I was supposed to be across the board um, and just like general social news stuff that clicks. And um, it kind of ended up that role ended up growing kind of naturally because I was writing the hockey stuff because I was the only person at Fox that really cared about hockey. And like, if you don't know about hockey, you can't really fake it yeah, on the internet. You'll right. get torn apart. So if, like, if you were to go to the NHL page on Fox Sports, it would basically be 95% stuff written by me. Um, and so I started taking that stuff. And like you said, I mean, it was that all did consistently well. And I had... So I had page view goals that were set for me by my editors every single month. Um, and... I started hitting those with like most of the stuff that I was writing being hockey stuff. So they kind of let me, uh, as it went on, they just let me kind of just 
do mostly hockey stuff as long as I was hitting my goals and I was so I kind of felt like I, I built like a in a I built like a hockey audience at Fox by myself right. which is something that I'm pretty proud of um, and so you, you're right I mean it, that stuff does drive consistently um, which but again like it it doesn't have the ceiling as the other you stuff, could write so. tom brady had a funny shirt on and it, and would, it would do, do quadruple way, yeah. way better uh so uh yeah i think i don't know i don't know why like a, like sites like espn i mean i guess i do know why if they're if they're doing mass layoffs the first place they're probably going to yeah. cut from is hockey um so uh i don't know it, i felt like at least a little bit uh encouraged that it wasn't me being cut from fox just because like hey he's a hockey guy we don't need him right no i still feel like there's a place it is a very weird it's a very weird time to be a hockey writer it's kind of unsettling overall when you see like the espn layoffs the fox layoffs and it's like you realize like you did you just said you did your job well your bosses were happy and then it's just like well it doesn't really matter yeah right nothing matters nothing Nothing matters at all in the world so i guess it kind of goes in line with that (laughs) Uh, backing up just a little to where you started, because, you know, this is, like I said, it's interesting that you got to where you got and you've gotten the audience you've gotten, which 20 years ago, whatever path you just took didn't exist. Yep. So what was the path from basically college to now? Uh, so when I was in college, I started a blog um, and I basically updated that for about four to five years um, on, every day. And that's kind of how I got my hands wet and... Uh, dove into the internet sphere like that was the most invaluable thing that that could have ever happened to me just because just for the work I imagine not for the audience I'm sure you weren't banging out hundreds of thousands of page views no definitely not but it's it's so hard to explain to somebody who doesn't work on the internet every day how the internet works right I can swear on this right you can swear I'm gonna bleep it but I'd rather you just swear and not edit yourself sorry Uh, yeah so it's so hard to explain to anybody who doesn't work on the internet how the internet works and like what actually drives interest to internet readers right Um, so that was super super valuable Um, but so I did that for four to five years and then what was that blog uh, it was called the nosebleeds. It doesn't okay. actually exist on the internet anymore, which is very sad. I feel I f- like I remember it, like some tweets, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, like it wasn't it wasn't big, but uh, you know, I, we did some fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so that it doesn't actually exist anymore, which is probably for the best for me. So I don't have to worry about yeah. old things that I wrote when I was in college and, and an idiot. They're really embarrassing. I can yeah. speak from experience. There's so. a couple of things I wrote in college where I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> uh, and like it was, it was especially cause it was at a time where I was like experimenting with my voice. Mm. So I went from uh, kind of shifted and all over the place. So I forgot to re- renew the domain a couple of years ago and it just disappeared from the internet forever, yeah. which is nice. Plus I find a lot of like young kids starting out end up just being almost facsimiles of the people they read and, and yeah. the, the popular websites that they visit. I mean, there's a, t- a million like just barstool clones when I was yep. in college. It was like some of the things I write were like basically Mike Hurley does a Bill Simmons impression. So <laughs> it's, 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 uh, no one should ever have to read anything that anyone wrote in college. <laughs> right. Uh, so I did that. And then right after college, um, I, one of the, co- one of the websites that I kind of got familiar with through my work on my own blog uh, they hired me to run their site full time. It was like a startup. I was making nothing. Uh, I did that for a couple of years, and then from there I got plucked by Uproxx, and then from Uproxx I got plucked by Fox Sports. 
And you did some SI in there, right? Yeah, so I did like a little part-time like freelancing for SI. I did uh, their their daily like click roundup thing uh, called a Hot Clicks. I guest wrote for them. So so you got a picture of a half-naked woman, yep. put it in, and then filled it up with some other stuff. Yep, a bunch of links and uh, a couple YouTube videos. More work than it sounds like, I'm sure. It really yeah. is. When you go do those roundups, it takes like three seconds to read them, but to put them together, it takes like an hour and a half, two hours. I know, and like I used to I used to read Hot Clicks before I was, before I was doing it, and uh, I was like, oh, this must be the greatest job in the world. You just show up and you throw a bunch of links in the site and do it twice a day, and then you're done for the day. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, a pain, it's a pain in the ass to do. Not quite that simple. So how did you get it? Well, we go in GIFs. GIFs, not GIFs. GIFs, GIFs yeah. Because I, I firmly believe in GIFs. Same. But, you know, it's it's nice. a hot dog sandwich debate out right. there. But what? you are the official boy. I mean, granted, the guy who invented it says GIFs. However, I consider you more of an authority on his, his product. GIFs. Okay, That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that come about? Because all of a sudden it's just, you know, you're tweeting hockey GIFs, and then all of a sudden you're like, one of two people that when something happens in hockey, everyone wants a three-second clip from, and if you don't have it, damn it, Pete, you suck. Yep. Put it up. Yep. Uh, how, does that, how did that start? So that started basically when I was running my own blog, and and it's for anybody who has ever tried to do that and tried to uh, scrounge up them page views online, you need highlights as quickly as possible to beat everybody else out there. Um, Especially in hockey where, like, dirty hits are commodified. Like, they made a whole side business out of, like, did the elbow hit the chin yeah. or would the shoulder catch <laughs> yes. the nose? So it's it's especially important in hockey. Right. Um, so, like, when I was in college, I was trying – I would be, like, obviously a huge sports fan and, like, trying to – to, to cover stuff that happens and, and weird oddities that, that happen on a daily basis in the sports world. So uh, I saw like uh, CJ Zero, CJ Fogler. Um, he was like one of the earliest GIF people that, that I followed on Twitter. And then there's Tim Burke from Deadspin. Um, so those two guys, I actually reached out to both of them. And I asked them, like, how do you do this? And like, what do I need if I want to like grab highlights and, and post them myself? And they were super helpful. Um, they told me all the stuff that I needed to do, and and um, it took a little bit. Uh, like obviously, with anything, you can't just dive in and be a master. So uh, it took uh, took a little while, but I finally uh, got a strong grasp on it. So uh, originally, my plan was to just use it for like the blog, but then eventually, uh, Twitter, you know allowed gifts and stuff like that and i just kind of i was watching sports anyway so i might as well put the highlights up on twitter and that was like that was really the biggest back door into uh like i basically like cheated my way into gaining yeah. an audience but anyone could have done it but right. they weren't right yeah so uh, and i and i imagine the you said was... the two people that are, that do it on a daily basis for hockey or me and i'm assuming that you're talking about uh steph right. who's my regular face i taught her how to gif yeah so I'll, I'll take credit for her following the man <laughs> no, that launched kidding. a thousand gifters <laughs> yeah right no, now everybody does it i imagine technologically wise it was much more of a hurdle whenever that was 2009 2010 12 i don't know what year that was but it was probably a lot harder than it is now it's it's been uh it's been pretty easy the entire time oh really yeah oh a little secret so i've i cut off like maybe 20 to 30 seconds in the process over the years but it was always pretty simple um so we're all just idiots i'm i'm an idiot so if i'm doing it it's not that hard so was it like the you know you're doing it and then you find the retweets 
hundreds of retweets at a time just become sort of addicting. Yeah. Just like anything else on that stupid website. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's like a, a nice little shot. It's a, a little syringe in the arm. Yeah. <laughs> so a it's, dopamine injection. Yeah. No, but I remember I intentionally didn't follow you because the gifts weren't on Twitter. And so you'd have to click the link to okay. open them. And it would take like forever on my phone. And it was like, if I follow Pete Blackburn, I'm going to waste... <laughs> So At much least, data. Tw- no, just time. <laughs> I'm going to click every link. I'm going to wait for it to load through like frame by frame by frame. And then I'm going to watch it through. And I'm like, okay. And then so it was really once Twitter included them as as part of the Twitter experience was when, at least for someone like me who was maybe like, I can't keep clicking. What what, what was the site that hosted them? I don't even uh, For a while, it was like TwitPick, which was, yeah. it would, that, the advantage of TwitPick was that it would display the GIFs in TweetDeck. So that's uh, why I used it, but then they shut down TwitPick, and then I moved to Jiffy Cat, Giffy okay. Cat or something yeah. like that, which is like it lets you upload a, like a million. It's right. a huge file size, right. so it can be high quality, but you have to people have to click a link. I think it's cute looking back that I was concerned about wasting time when I'm on Twitter. Like, <laughs> right, <laughs> way to go. Might as well just delete your account. Yeah, I mean, if you're really yeah concerned about time, just don't ever log on. Right, but so. The course, I mean, there's been, there was the time that um, it looked like you had been murdered by the NHL where your account disappeared. Uh, I know that was just sort of you logging off for a few days. Yep. Intentionally to mess with people. Right. It was good. I was, I listened to that whole brunch episode, (laughs) just figure it out, which I think you held off to like the 67 minute mark in that podcast. That's, that's an old industry trick. (laughs) That was well done. But, um, have you had any experiences where the leagues have? I mean, it's, it's sort of like the relationship between gifts and the internet has been uh, off and on, hot and cold. Where some leagues don't want their stuff on there, and some obviously NHL has seem, seemingly embraced it because yeah. they I, need attention because right. they're at the NHL. Right. I think most most places are most leagues are at a point where they're just they're they know that they have to accept it. Yeah. Um, Except for like, the NFL. That that and like, but even the MLB, which has been the yeah. basically like the media Nazis of the sports world. Bob Bowman. Yeah, so uh, they've even kind of embraced it now, um, which is nice. But that got Barstool shut down for a while, yep. I think, because they tweeted like a baseball get, like yeah. a home run. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I haven't run, run into any problems. Uh, the two leagues that obviously I've been told are the most notorious are MLB and then, I don't. well, I guess this isn't a league, but the Olympic Committee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even let ESPN show highlights of swim races, so you know that's serious. But in the last uh, Winter Olympics, and where was it? Russia? Yeah, Sochi. Uh, Last Olympics, all the games were on at like 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 7 in the morning. I was up for all of them, and I gift all those games, and I didn't hear a word from the Olympic Committee. And it was basically probably the biggest boom that I've ever gotten in terms of an international. audience. Yeah. I mean, you, in, you international. Yeah, and I'm the only person out there doing it because everybody else is scared. Yeah. So Scared that, and sleeping. That too, yes. So uh, that was huge for me. And uh, so it's funny when people say that the Olympics are like the most strict because that's been the most beneficial to me. You kind of bullied the Olympics. <laughs> right. You kind of bent them over your knee and yep. spanked them. But no, that that's actually goes into my, my next thought because I've always wondered, basically, say I'm sitting at my desk for CBS Boston and I want to write about something that happened in the hockey game last night. I pretty much know that 90% of the time you'll have a gif of whatever it is I need to talk about. And then I get to throw it in my post and basically all your hard work and dedication 
is now mine. <laughs> and it feels crappy doing it, but I mean, it still that's is. That's why I do it, though. Like, that's that's exposure that I wouldn't get. So, yeah, it is your exposure. I mean, you, you go in there with your name. I'm not just taking right. the file. That would be pretty lousy. But so is that, is that I mean, it's still like, it's almost like you're the programmer of the internet in that regard whenever someone does that because it's like you have this content that now is distributed to as many outlets that want to take it. It would be a great move if I were to do that and then I would just to delete the gifts like five (laughs) hours later and everybody's post is screwed. No, but like that's, so that's the reason that I started doing it. Um, And, and basically like live gifting games is just for the exposure and to, for people to notice and, and, you know, follow me and grow my audience, have people like establish hockey people, establish media people, uh, find out my name and be familiar with my name and just kind of put myself out there. Yeah, right. Put myself out there. Um, And it's worked out pretty well. I mean, it's it's worked out super well in the sense that, like, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to write for a living. So uh, that was... I I honestly feel like I like cheated my way into an audience because I gained it through gifts and now I'm trying to move away from the gifts and do more writing stuff. So it's basically like, ha, but, but pull the fast one on all you guys. Writing's extinct. <laughs> writing's so the extinct. joke's on you. Yeah, only only people care about video. So, um, yeah, it is it is interesting because it's like that's another thing where sort of everyone in the media has to weigh how much effort and time they put into Twitter because Twitter doesn't pay you. Twitter right. won't employ you if you get you know laid off or fired. Or if your contract runs out and you need a new job, it's like, you know, you got Twitter following. But there is a value to it. It's just a matter of, like, figuring out how to use it and how valuable it is. Basically, every job that I've had has come through Twitter. Or at least partially a reason because of it is Twitter. So uh, it's been super, super valuable to me. And, uh, like, even... So I, I haven't applied to a lot of places they just know you reach out to you or you reach out to them and they like they offer me positions or offer me uh, like an interview or whatever so uh, I'm super super lucky in that sense and so Twitter is basically been the single most valuable tool tool for me professionally wow maybe you should work for Twitter that was the best sales pitch on Twitter ever (laughs) right Next time I'm like home, just like wasting time. I'm like, no, this is an investment in me. It really is. It it, really I mean, is. it is, but it's also like you're making bad. I'm out there making like a dad bad, a bad dad joke. It's not exactly a, a, a resume filler, but you never <laughs> right. know. It's, but I mean, every retweet counts. But we did talk about the fact that people don't go to places for yeah. writers anymore. Right. It's so if like you're super active on Twitter and you cultivate the following on there there's a better chance that, that everything that you write is going to be read more because you're going to have more people scrolling across it. And if that's the first thing that they see on a certain story, they're going to click it. Right. Yeah. We'll get into another, you know, the your your Twitter stepping in a landmine situation yeah, yeah. later. But I, I want to, you know, break it up a little bit, break up the Twitter gift thing because you are a regular podcaster. I'm I'm new to the podcast game. Uh, I listen to uh, uh, maybe a dozen podcasts, but you you do brunch mm-hmm. with DJ Bean. I have no idea what the hell that podcast is. <laughs> I've listened. I like interviews, uh, so I'll listen when you have a guest on that I know, and I try to like be in on your guys, whatever you want to call it. And I just feel like I'm spying on two people in a different planet. Like, what? what is brunch? What the hell is brunch? So, like, when you said, I don't know what the hell brunch is, I didn't know if you'd ever listened to it before or, you know, you'd listen to every episode because either way you could come to that conclusion. <laughs> right. uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really all over the place. But um, 
I guess like the main goal of it is like it's a pop culture podcast in which we kind of satirize, satirize, whatever. Sure. One of those. One of those. Uh, where we kind of like we make fun of like bro culture. Yeah. And uh, you debate like how hot Tom Brady is. How hot, like that. how hot guys are. Like uh, and then also like like best Taylor Swift songs. Things like that. <laughs> yeah. And also just like lifestyle we're not bros at all like we we love girly drinks uh basically like the anything that that a bro would look down upon and be like oh, oh sweet fruity drink bro like i'm all in on fruity drinks like oh this guy's drinking wine oh, all it, in on wine what's it taste good <laughs> yeah right so basically it doesn't even matter if i like it if bros hate it i like it so uh so that's that's kind of our goal, um, and we kind of just like we like to just go all over the place and have some fun with it, and it's it's a ton of fun. So the fact that I have no idea what's going on that puts me in like the normal brunch listener group. So yeah, you are exactly what we want. But how much? So I mean, you guys have merchandise. Yeah, you have fans. Yeah, that like stop you on the street. Yeah, that's real. So or are you playing it up? No, I swear to God, brunch is probably the thing that I most like stopped really? for. Yeah, it's it's crazy. People yeah. are like even more than Twitter, where like brunch gets like two thousand to five thousand listens per episode, and I have like fifty something thousand Twitter followers. I have more people stop me and say like, oh, "Hey, I'm a huge brunch fan," than wow. like I follow you on Twitter. It's just a more passionate. They're like the hockey fans it of re- the internet. It really is like it's like a cult following for brunch. Like it's a lifestyle. The people that listen to yeah. brunch. I don't know. I'll give it another whirl, but it's it's. It's definitely not for everybody. It's not even that it wasn't for me. It's that I felt like get it. <laughs> I felt like it was intentionally made not for me, like like a no Mike Hurley's club. But um, your other podcast, the Section Ten podcast, yeah, uh, which I was a guest on in the early days when you guys really had no real direction or plan. It was sort of like, well, we'll base it on the Red Sox, but let's not talk. You went like. Four months without talking about the Red Sox because it was like when because they were in the last team place. Sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't like, well, they got to fix the bullpen, they got to get a third baseman, the trade deadline. It was more like, hey, the Red Sox played, they're awful. Anyway, here's like another hour of random <laughs> randomness. So that's that was kind of intentional because we started the podcast as like an alternative to sports radio. Yeah, uh, if well, because pe- if you compete with it, no, it's... everybody's going to choose sports radio. The people who are paid full time to plus, do that job to in do a it professional live. setting, yeah. right? So our our plan from the very beginning was to be an alternative and to cover the Red Sox in a different way um, and to talk about the team in a different way and, and in a way that sports radio can't do. So when the team started sucking and they were very bad the entire year, sports radio was talking about how bad they were every single day for like eight hours. Right. So we weren't going to pile onto that and, and they be were, like... They weren't even interestingly bad. They were no, just No, they were just very, bad. very bad yeah. and very uninteresting. So... Like we basically abandoned the Red Sox for that season, and we were like, you know what? Let's talk to interesting people. Let's talk to people in the media, uh, and and kind of turn it into more of like an interview show. Yeah. Um, and it ended up working out. People were interested in it, and we got like non Red Sox fans to to start listening. Um, and it ended up being super beneficial because now we do a format in which we we talk about the Red Sox for one episode per week and then we do another episode which is an interview every week. Right. So it, like I don't think that would have happened if we didn't have the very bad year in which we only interviewed people. <laughs> right. No, yeah. And it's 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 pretty popular, I would say. It's yeah. like in the top 100 sports iTunes uh, podcasts at all times, yep. so it never really fluctuates out. Is that 
I feel like that wasn't your goal three years ago when you started. No, definitely it. not. It wasn't like let's let's be a regular contributor to the national sports scene with no. this. Especially with like a Red Sox podcast. Yeah. It's not even a baseball podcast. It's a Red Sox podcast. Um, so it's it's gotten way bigger. Like the the, the fan- bar stool must must have provided helped, a huge yeah. boost. Yeah, it helped. Um, but like the the listeners to that sh- to that podcast are rabid. Right. It's crazy. Like I, I talked about brunch having a cult following. That's minuscule compared to to what Section Ten listeners are. It like if we don't post an an episode within like five minutes or when of when we're supposed to, people will jump down our throats. And be like, "Where's the damn podcast? Give it!" It's they're literally like drug addicts. That's that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, this I podcast mean, is not quite at that level yet. Not so yet. We'll see. But when it it's comes in out. the early stages. I usually like I texted you what yesterday. I was like, "Hey, are you free? Maybe like." Like in five minutes to do a podcast? <laughs> like, is that around? So, we'll, we'll I, I gotta learn from you on Again, that. Again, I'm unemployed. So, literally text me three <laughs> minutes before something and I'll, I'll be there. But that's another uh, career path that you might have cheated your way into because you basically bought a bunch of equipment and put it in your basement. And then all of a sudden, you're a radio professional. <laughs> Apparently. And but, uh, I actually, uh, I actually am a radio professional, by the way, a former radio professional. At, I did a, I did a, at a competing station. Of, oh, of oh no, I know that. I know <laughs> yes. that. Was that before uh, your that, podcast started? That was, uh, I think it kind of overlapped a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was like a little bit before. The first time you spoke into a microphone was the hockey show. Yeah, it was. So it was that's Sunday uh, morning at 4.45 a.m. Yes, yes. That's how I met DJ. Oh, really? So, so you that just kind show. of randomly ended up there because of your Twitter presence, yep. I'm sure. yep. And then you met DJ, and now you guys do weird, wacky things together. Yep, <laughs> every every week. Every week, wow, crazy, crazy twists and turns that yep. this that this world has. So another area where I found you to excel is in media beefs, mm-hmm. beefs with the media. Uh, it, sometimes I've toned, I've toned it down a little bit. Recently. Yeah, is that a professional thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a professional thing, and also like I, I feel like I don't I don't need to be that guy anymore like it's grown up it was me coming up as like a hungry hungry person like really wanting to fight uh, the establishment right and uh and also just like i was jealous that that i was like i would look at people and be like this guy sucks i want his job why can't i have his job Mm. and now that i had i had a good job (laughs) i felt like i didn't need to fight with people all the time so the beef's back the The beef might be back depending on what my employment situation is so where do things stand i mean haggerty was your biggest one i mean i know the internet has a a complicated relationship with joe haggerty i i personally interact with him and he's always been like super nice and friendly to me but i know like on the internet it's this whole other thing and you were sort of like the flag waver at the front of it (laughs) yeah so uh is that is that cooled is that is there a what's the word detente yeah so it's it's definitely cooled uh i i mean i still don't like him and I still don't really respect the work that he does, but uh, we've had um, amicable exchanges. Oh, so online or private? I mean, online. Or private. I've never met him, so. Oh, okay. um, well, I, I was just figured, like, man, if Pete ever ends up on Comcast, it could be like a really awkward <laughs> interaction because it's a pretty small city. But there are there are other people that have had issues with them, and they've kind of crossed paths with them. Yeah. So. Well, the uh, whole the whole Bruins beat is like such a click. Like, yeah. there's this. I covered the team for the whole 2013 season. And it's yeah. like there's like segments, and there was like not talking to him, and there was, it was it's like high school. It really was high school, and it's like you guys are like talking to hockey players like, for like <laughs> 10 minutes a day. It's like I can really get over this, but it, it's definitely the the human component is 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 strong in that. Yeah, 
so, area of the world. Yeah, I I, I think that um, I don't know. I, I if I ever cross paths with them, I wouldn't like go out of my way to be an a hole. But I mean, I, I I'm not gonna like suck. I'm not gonna <laughs> be like a suck up or whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I like them. Right. Well, you so, don't have to like everyone. I don't right. think that's required. But right. Uh, is there are there other one? I mean, I feel like was the Chris Christie thing your you're doing mostly the M and M's the big M and M the putting yeah. them into a bigger M and M's box? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that from your Twitter. Yeah, it was it was me. Yeah, so that was you. So when he ended up having to answer that on uh, on the radio in New York, was yep. that like a career shining yeah. moment for you? So that was like a really weird well, thing. Let me explain it, or you can explain it. Basically, there was a picture of Chris Christie pouring a bag of M and M's into a big M and M's box, yep. and you tweeted like savage move yeah it was like chris christie pouring a bag of m&ms into a bigger bag of m&ms <laughs> is a savage and perplexing move <laughs> so uh, he got so mad that that went viral he was he was very upset that he had to answer questions like he had some questions <laughs> on like on on new york radio uh on david letterman <laughs> so uh yeah so that was like a really weird thing for me because it was like that was that literally became a national story <laughs> like the daily mail wrote about it and they like like quoted me they quoted me in like the subhead they were like internet writer pete blackburn calls it savage and perplexing and i was like, like you're this like, is so weird you're the voice of authority on weird m&m yes. moves so that was super strange it, it's really it's really bizarre that like for i think i have like ninety thousand tweets or something like that and probably 95 percent of them are sports related and my two or three biggest tweets of all time are, are political political tweets i don't mess with that water that's exactly it's, why. it's a rough space <laughs> it is and we might as well go to the next one the one that got you petitions to have you fired when yeah. you <laughs> made a joke about donald trump's son yeah uh, uh the, the the tweet was what that he looks like he's killed animals or something small looks, animals looks like, like he's killed at least 100 small because you know he's a young rich kid and basically he's not the first young rich kid to be made fun of but because of the sensitive nature of the country yes. during inauguration time uh the, one of the headlines that came out was Fox Sports reporter viciously attacks <laughs> Trump's 10-year-old son which the internet does strange things but that must have been you kind of went dark for a few days there right because I imagine, I was suspended for a week on Twitter yeah from your work from work yeah they said don't tweet for a week don't tweet for a week and I uh, you know what that is it's just like we're not going to fire you this is obnoxious but oh like, they wanted to fire me really the president of Fox wanted to fire me like a fox of fox like like the of the president of Fox Oh, wanted to fire me. And well, you did viciously attack a ten-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and actually, like my my editor, my editor, and the guy who hired me at Fox Sports uh, had to have like a sit-down meeting with the the president of Fox, and they were basically like, "He's valuable, and uh, he's wow. he can be an idiot, but we shouldn't fire him." That's insane. It's crazy. It, like, that, so it ended up. Did, did Rupert Mur Murdoch weigh in? Like, did it get that far? I don't think so. No. <laughs> um, but but maybe <laughs> maybe uh, it it came at like a really strange time because that was a, like I was suspended for a week and during that week that I was suspended it was my first field assignment for Fox and it was the NHL All Star Game and so I was sent by Fox and I and they were like you can't you can't tweet anything about this you can't post anything online uh, good luck where, where was the All Star Game this year L A. So oh, nice. there's a lot of things that I could have covered and could have put on Twitter and I just had to remain silent the entire time. Did you put stuff on the website? Yeah. Couldn't they have given you like the Fox Sports Twitter account? To they could have, but they didn't. They probably didn't really want to 
like I promote you too much. That I week. think it's a really bad idea though to suspend somebody for from Twitter for a week from their own Twitter because of a stupid thing that they posted, and then hand them the keys to the to the brand account, which has like two million followers. You could make that argument as a corporation. That <laughs> might right. not be wise, but uh, but yeah, that was that that whole ordeal was crazy. Like I was getting like, death threats. I imagine death threats everywhere. Like. Yeah. They would find my Facebook. They would send me messages on Instagram. They would email me, uh, like petitions, everywhere. Which like, is they, funny because, like, your Instagram is probably like you wearing like a funny pair of shorts, being like, "Look at these green shorts," and then people are like, "You're gonna die, Pete Blackburn." Yes. <laughs> Basically, you think it's funny to make fun of a ten year old boy? <laughs> you think you can attack a ten year old boy? So that, yeah, that that whole segment, and it was like the inauguration was when you tweeted it, right? Yeah. And it was like there were just people out for blood, and oh, you yeah. were like you were like the pinata. Mm-hmm. That was that was I, I was fearing for you at that point. It was, uh, and it came. I think that the whole reason that it came about, it might have happened anyway. But like two tweets before that was my biggest tweet of all time, which was the it was like a screen cap of Hillary Clinton, uh, like looking very perplexed as she got out of her car at the inauguration, and I had like a funny caption. I got like one hundred and fifty thousand retweets, which is wild i'll Which never kind of, that's it's like sucks when that happens though because then you're just like well i can't really well, utilize now, twitter now properly. i can't use twitter for another week yeah and so like two tweets later uh there i am making fun of a 10 year old boy so i'm like a million eyes who would never be on my twitter account yeah. there they are and they're going through my twitter account and that's kind of i feel like that's how it got blown up and at, blown out of proportion at least you had like a middle of the road background where you were making fun of hillary two tweets before that might have saved you from even more fire that's true if you had was, done that for Donald, that was very pi- bipartisan, <laughs> very bipartisan <laughs> gift uh, yes. share. But yeah, that was that was wild. Are there are there any more like that that I'm not thinking of where you either got in a big fight or ended up in in internet trouble, internet jail? Was that your um, first suspension? That was my first suspension. Yeah, uh, I think that that was that's probably like the only one that like really was like hot water. Yeah. Like, if you I've Google sent, your name, that, that will come up on one yeah, of the first two right, pages. Right. Uh, there were a few other tweets that, like, after I went to Fox, I got a little, uh, I got, like, a stern speaking to about, like, hey, maybe be smarter about the things that you tweet. F-bombs so. or? No, like, they let me swear. Um, one of them was I made fun of Tony Saragusa on Twitter. And uh, he was, like, he wasn't even a current employee of Fox. But I got yelled at. Um, How are you not supposed to make fun of Tony Saragusa? The dude he does would... human pee. He does adult pee commercials. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he'd that... stand in the end zone and just be like, "Yeah, it's really loud down here. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they're gonna hear the snap count." Back to you guys in the booth. That was Tony Saragusa's job. So I made fun. Of, so he tweeted like something really dumb. Uh, no way. Uh, yeah. So like really, really dumb, and that like was super insensitive and so I tweeted at him being like I'd made like a pee joke and, <laughs> and and I like the next day Fox talked to me and they were like he's a former employee of the company and he has he still has very strong ties to Fox so maybe don't make fun of oh, that Oh we only fired him 6 months ago <laughs> right. please be polite to him So uh yeah there's a few other situations like that where um they tried, they tried to keep me down. Yeah. The man tried now to keep me you. down. <laughs> now you're free. Right. There's nothing worse than getting in trouble for a tweet. Because you're just like, I, I just... It's a, I, it's a tweet. I literally typed a sentence right. and hit a button. But and, just, and it's like, it's always going to happen because all of my tweets are fired from the hip. There are people that always ask me like, how long did it take you to come up with that one? And the answer is always like five seconds. Yeah, but, oh, you're saving that one all day? It's like, I, no, I don't spend all day right? preparing my bad jokes. I don't, I don't save drafts in Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I uh I once had Sean Thornton wanted to beat the crap out of me because I made a joke about Pierre 
but I Peter Maguire, yes. but I I just it, I st- it was clumsy. It was clumsy, and it made it look like I was calling Sean Thornton an idiot because it had to do with when they were when they made the big comeback. Thornton was telling them on the bench, "What we got to score once every ten minutes or whatever." Yeah, and I made a joke about like Maguire, Maguire talking about Thornton not being able to like divide five by two or something, and it made it look like <laughs> Thornton. I was calling Thornton an idiot, and then I was just like, I was like, delete, and I was like, I hope I don't get my ass kicked because I <laughs> tweeted this bad joke about Pierre Maguire. I have a quick, uh, I have a quick Pierre Maguire story and a quick Sean Thornton story. Go uh, ahead, uh, Pierre Maguire. Uh, one of my first earliest Twitter inter- inter- uh, interactions was me basically calling Pierre Maguire an idiot and it got replied to by James Van Riemsdyk who was like yeah that's true <laughs> so that was funny uh, and then the Sean Thornton story like my first uh, my first interaction as like a member of like the sports media because like I don't leave my house to do my job so uh, I did an event I covered an event uh, like a couple years ago and Sean Thornton was like the first person to approach me and he just came right up to me and was like who the F are you? And I was like, uh, I'm new. And he said, yeah, I know. And he walked away. <laughs> so he does, he messes with everyone. Yeah. That, that was sort of his thing. Like, I've, I've since talked to him like a few times and he's like the nicest guy yeah. in the world. He would make, he would make reporters' jobs difficult just because he thought the whole dog and pony show was stupid. So it that, was very much appreciated. Yeah. Which is great. There's not enough of that. There's I a love lot the guy. Of, it's too much seriousness in those, in those rooms. Um, but, it, you know, aside from like the 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 beefs with with maybe celebrities, it seems like uh, you're a veteran of of handling the the Twitter trash talk, the Twitter hate. It seems like you probably ignore thousands and only reply, sort of jokingly. Now, is that is that the older, more mature Pete as well? Yeah, for sure. I don't let. I basically I try not to let anything get under my skin, just because I've seen it all at this point. Right. Uh, yeah. I basically like I get a, like a, a lot of negative stuff, but I only put it out there when I can use it. And turn it around into humor for like my own right your brand, brand. further yes. the brand yes so uh, I'm very selective as to what I what I respond to you've probably learned that getting into a Twitter fight does nothing for anybody no right. one's ever been like you know what I was really he hot. looked great coming out of that Twitter fight <laughs> and the other person's ever like you know what I, I was really strongly firm in my belief but Pete Pete changed my right. mind and exactly. now I'm the better person for it but there's been a, I will say there's been like a couple of times that somebody's been like well this this was great. Like it, yeah. it's cool that you can respond to this and have like a, a meaningful conversation. Yeah. And maybe I was wrong. There are times where like you might come in at 100 miles an hour on one side, someone's on 100 miles an hour, and then in reality you're both kind of somewhere. And you can soften it a right. little bit, but yeah. it, when it doesn't happen often. When someone's off the handle, there's only so much you can do. But I find uh, I, I I I go through all the sports. I do a lot of football. I do a lot of hockey. I, baseball Twitter doesn't really exist because baseball is for old people. But yep. Hockey Twitter, the the hatred that comes through there, the rage, especially yep. like I said earlier with the with the dirty hits, it's outrage central. It is insane. It's it's almost as exhausting as politics Twitter. It 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 really is. It's up there for most exhausting Twitter. And even if you wrote like like you rank hockey jerseys, yeah, <laughs> and like the Ducks people, fans are going to get mad get at you. Outraged. Yeah. And like, people get outraged over the fact that like I. I put the Blackhawks high because it's racist and it's it's crazy and like there's nothing that you can do right in hockey Twitter basically. Yeah, it's a tough. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time before I realized that the NHL had made a side business out of it, breaking down those hits and like reacting and being like it should be this much suspension when the suspension wasn't there, like throwing yeah. my arms up. But it's like it's it's insane how how intensely people can argue whether a shoulder pad clipped a chin. 
mm-hmm. and whether it was intentional and how many games people should, and it's just like that's just one aspect of it. And there was like uh, so during this this past playoffs, I said that uh, so a guy got called for boarding, and I was like, here he is oh, hitting yeah. in between the numbers. And I had like a couple people coming to my match and be like, hitting between the numbers isn't a penalty. Get and a like, rule book, idiot. <laughs> right? And they like they tried to basically say that I was wrong on a technicality, and it's it just so exhausting when I have when having people like pick apart your every single word in a tweet and a gift that you're just trying to get out there as fast as possible. Right. And it's it's insane. He also so, probably got called for boarding or didn't. I don't know. Right. But I mean it's like you're you posted the gif. Right. And and so like now I'm more I'm more kind of uh hesitant to include any sort of commentary in a, like a gif post that I know is going to go like viral or be shared a bunch and then I'll just like respond to it with uh with like um like a little bit of like extra commentary you could address like, that. like just all so of that criticism I de- just so that I detach it from the thing that's going to get shared yeah because if if I put any sort of like opinionated thing in like a gift tweet then I'm gonna get like a thousand mentions set telling me that I'm wrong this so. is a dirty hit yeah and it's like the dirtiest hit ever you will get hate for right exactly but you I do th- I mean the the jersey rankings thing like that mm-hmm. you're pretty brave I think for putting yourself out there and and saying some teams jerseys aren't great I mean that's asking for it but you also did the the end of season whenever teams were eliminated from the playoffs yeah throwing a gif out there when fans yeah. are at their most vulnerable their most emotional how'd that uh, go for you that that went super well actually really? because cathartic almost I guess. yeah it really it, like it, it went super well very I think that a big part of it was that uh, the selection of gifts was was good I think that that's probably like the I don't do a lot of threads on Twitter but that's my most proud thread it was good it was it I was thought good that, Twitter content yeah right so I think that people just appreciated the fact that it was actually if I'm going to make fun of your team at yeah. least make it humorous because for me it was like I was never thinking of it when I watched the team get eliminated and I see the tweet I'm like oh Pete classic <laughs> <Yep>. classic <laughs> just rubbing salt in the wound <laughs> so you've used Twitter to get jobs yep You've also I I thought of two. I was going to be like, oh, what's your craziest experience but based on the things you've done but I mean in one instance you befriended a porn star. You you yeah. you struck up a friendship with a porn star. Yeah. And you also in a very different type of excitement got to sit down with Connor McDavid for a one-on-one interview. Yes. Are those two maybe of the uh the wildest craziest uh, things you never really expected to get out of uh, posting gifts and tweets online? Absolutely. I think people like the most ha- the happiest that people have ever been for me on Twitter is when Mia Khalifa acknowledged my existence and wanted to strike up a friendship with me. Like I had friends from all over the place who clearly big fans of their her work uh, were like, this, "This is amazing. <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened to you." And people I'm like, who followed her on Twitter, but not you. Now, now. right? <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really help my career, but uh, yeah. it's a neat little thing." Uh, so yeah, that was interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I mean like Connor McDavid thing was cool. Um, and uh, like, I, I've gotten to meet like a couple other awesome people. So it's it, basically, it's far surpassed anything that I would ever expect to come from Twitter. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we covered pretty much most of the Pete Blackburn experience. Mm-hmm. Obviously you no longer work at Fox sports. Yes. What do you anticipate, uh, the future holds? Uh, I, I think... I don't really know right now. Uh, there is interest in, in from a few different places. Uh, I'm interviewing currently at a, at a couple of places. Um, I'm heading to uh, New York City where I'll sit down with a, a few, few different outlets mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. 
uh, there. I would like to... So, like, right now, the options that I have or seemingly have on the table are, are, are kind of different, um, and which is, is nice, but I think that I want to do something that's similar to what I've been doing. I feel like I have uh, some good momentum yeah. in, the, uh, in the industry, in the world, um, and I was happy. Like, I really liked my job at Fox, um, and I really enjoyed it, and um, I would like to do something similar if, if the situation is right. So uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, for right now, I'm I'm really enjoying unemployment. It's almost scary how much I'm enjoying unemployment. Like, it's, how many movies have you seen? Uh, <laughs> like three in theaters. Yeah, like three or four in the past week or two. Uh, I went back to back movies last Sunday. Oh, that's the best! I haven't done that since high school. It was awesome, and both of them were really great. Did you pay twice? Yeah. Sucker. I know, but the, the assigned seating these days it really so cuts into the uh, as an un- as an unemployed person. Like I, I, I don't feel comfortable taking money away from people. <laughs> so, True. Plus the matinee but, prices aren't bad, right? So uh, and so that's been great. And I've just like really settled into unemployment lifestyle. It's, it's almost to the point where it's like mm, I should probably get a job as soon as possible, just so that I don't derail my entire life. <laughs> so I'm going to the bar from twelve to three. I'm going to the movies from three to six. I'm going to the bar from six to ten. <laughs> right. Um, I've basically just been taking nonstop vacations. Not bad. Everyone could use that. Yeah. I do find it surprising that you weren't employed by someone immediately. And that's not to like blow smoke. I'm like, people act brain, you're still great. It's just like the content you create and like the, like you said, the momentum you built. It seems like, um, was, were people like the day that the Fox sports layoffs were announced? Did anyone reach out like, Hey Pete? Yeah. So like there are a couple, couple places that like immediately slid into my DMs and were like, let's set something up. And there was actually uh, one place reached out to me, um, like two or three weeks prior to the actual announcement of the layoffs. They were like, Hey, we heard that there might be some shufflings at, going on at Fox. That's unsettling. Though. Which is super unsettling yeah. because I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. And they reached out and they were like, Hey, Heard you might be out of a job, and I was like, "Wait, what? Excuse me. <laughs> what do you know?" <laughs> so, uh, I yeah, like I mean, that. like, it's it's cool in the sense, like, like for anybody who like ha- keeps a job, you can't put yourself out there and be like, "Hey, I'm available," uh, because that looks bad to your current employer. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's neat to be able to to like to put out there like I'm available and see that people are interested. Yeah. So that's much better than. Putting yourself out there and finding nobody's interested. <laughs> right, so. exactly. That's good. So it's it's a it's it's a little bit of an ego boost. It's like it's it's nice. You get you get kicked down by Fox, and then some other people are trying to pick you up. Here you go. I was going to ask you to make your pitch to all the media bigwigs that listen to this podcast. It's pretty big among like the CEOs, the hiring managers, and things like that. But I think you made it. I'm pretty sure you made it. But yeah, I make mean, fun of ten year olds. Please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> viciously attacking. Yes. If you need a ten, no, we we'll just might as well not even not even wait into that territory right now. <laughs> All right, Pete. That we talked for a while. Yeah. How long would you we go longer than usual? Uh, it's about about on. But how how long would you say we've been talking? Uh, You're like three hours. No, like uh, fifty five to like a. Oh, yeah, guessing the the face you made. What I write on fifty five thirty five right now. You are truly a podcasting <laughs> nice. uh, demigod. I don't know what to make of it, but thanks for your time. Thanks for the stories. I find it interesting. I think other people will too because I think the internet. The internet, I don't know if you know about this, the internet's the future. Oh, is it? Yeah. How would you commodify the internet? I mean, how would you make money? Because it seems like you either have a paywall, which are the worst, or you have 3,000 ads, which are also the worst, especially uh, on mobile. I don't know if you watch Silicon Valley, but the the clear key to the future is putting radio on the internet. 
Oh, yeah. I don't watch Silicon Valley. Oh, so. you're an idiot then. I don't have HBO, a, Mr. Rockefeller. Uh, it's, get HBO now. It's like 10 bucks a month. Uh, I could probably swing that. Yeah. It's it's worth it. Just for Silicon Valley. It's the great. It's the funniest show on TV. All right. I'll keep that in mind. But how would you... What's... what's how are we doing this? How's, how is websites going to survive so they don't have to lay off their entire writing staffs? Oh, God, that's a good question. That's way above my pay grade because my pay grade is zero at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. All right, Pete. Thank you so much. All righty. Thanks to Pete Blackburn for coming in. I, I found it to be an interesting conversation. I think I, I've always wondered specifically when I you know basically steal his content what he's getting out of it and there is there is that value of of boosting one's own image and and brand if you will and 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 spreading one's name across the internet and i guess it helps and he's proof of it with the jobs and it looks like it won't be long before he has his next job and being able to choose is a rare thing in the media and i think that's that's a, a kind of an interesting fallout from getting laid off is that he basically was allowed to shop himself. So I found it interesting. He's, he's, he was interesting, the whole process. The fact that gifts are easy to make and no one else was doing them, shame on us, I guess. We all could have been gift boy, but there is only one gift boy, and I thank him for coming on. Uh, it doesn't look like he really wants to be gift boy anymore, so uh, get it in now while you can. Anyways, that was Pete Blackburn. Thanks for checking out the Hurley Edition. I, I do appreciate it. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a nice little message there. I do I do read them, so it's nice to see people uh, comment. Mostly when they say nice things, uh, the not-so-nice things, fortunately, have been few and far between. So I do appreciate the support. I do appreciate you checking it out. And we will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you.